Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, How to Build a Better Life, the podcast that will inspire you to take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward and build the life that you want to live, the life that you deserve to live. Today's episode, part two of my conversation with Jahan Satower. Of course, Jahan is an accredited cognitive behavioral therapist. He's a hypnotherapist. He's a dabbling, or I should say he's quite an expert in the field of nutrition and the way environmental factors uh, affect our our well-being and as well he is a mindfulness coach specializing in the area of subconscious self-sabotage so really you, you need to go if you haven't yet you need to go back and listen to part one of this conversation Jahan offers just a, a masterful breakdown of the idea of mindfulness and how we can use it to uh, begin to build a better life to begin to make peace with ourselves to make peace with with the outside world and to uh, to really have a rational um, look at the way things are inside of us to step away from emotionally driven thought patterns and to get a hold of what's going on under the surface. I think I took so much from, from speaking with Jahan. I hope you will as well. And part two here, we part two to me feels like a real call to, to myself and to you, the listener, uh, towards personal responsibility. Really, I, I would want you to take truly one thing from this episode and listen to how our subconscious is, is manipulated by environmental factors, you know, by our own emotionally driven thoughts. And we can quite often run these subconscious scripts and act in a way, think in a way, believe in a way that, uh, that doesn't serve us. I, I believe that if you're seeking to build a better life as well, you'll find that having the courage, you know, to break out of that fear and to say, I can do better, I can be better, I can build something better. Um, to have that courage is, uh, hey, Good, good on you if you can find that in yourself because it's not easy. You know, quite often we're ruled by fear. But I believe in Jahan's words, you'll find that motivation to uh, contact a specialist, you know, to do that deep inner work for yourself, journaling, meditating, and uh, really examine, you know, really examine how do you want to live and, and what's preventing you from getting there and could it be something that's deeper under the surface uh, than we can consciously apprehend. And if that's the case, um, what can we do about it? And I think what can we do about it is where is where someone like Jahan comes in. So please enjoy this one. It's it's entertaining. It's a little bit emotional. Uh, there's some laughs and there's some really um, a, a stirring call to action for all of us to take responsibility. So this is part two of my conversation with the always wise, the always interesting Jahan Satower. I worry that it's it's becoming sort of just culturally supported to become to be weak and they say well it's okay with not being okay it's like okay but it's not okay to not be doing any amount of work on it you know yeah what you just said there is a big one <laughs> it's okay to not be okay is really just a piece of hypnotic language that yes. is purposely formulated and handed down downloaded into the common nomenclature if you will <laughs> sure. that's yeah. given to people with nefarious agendas to keep them stuck and it's uh, here we go again you know i promised myself i was going to get on with patrick and i wasn't going to talk about stuff like this but here no, we go i'm glad you, you are know, there's we're right on there's time. definitely <laughs> an agenda to to control and keep people fat sick dumb mm -hmm. and just about do whatever you can to keep them outside of their power right you can't rule over people who are in their power because they don't need your help right. <laughs> you know right well, hey, man, I, I, I'm totally open to talking about this. It's not something I've touched on the show since I've sort of rebranded, but I think it's important to talk about the way in which culture 
or the powers that be, if you will, have has been built to keep people from, well, to keep them at a low vibration. Could we say that? It's to keep them from becoming, from being their higher self, or however you want to phrase it. Yeah, it's just to keep you in fear. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, do you, your higher self, if you will, your your guardian, if you will, sure. that um, more benevolent, intuitive, and for quite frankly, creative part of yourself mm-hmm. is everything except for fear. Like if you, if we use the the definition of creative part of yourself, well, where does our creative impulse come from? Mm-hmm. It comes from electrical streams that are passing into mm-hmm. the body. The body's just a vehicle for the expression of consciousness. Right. Consciousness is a creative force. Consciousness is in all things. So when you can basically make it an attack on that consciousness then you get into that very dualistic thing where there's a lot of people out there who are having bad experiences of lives and they're doing bad things to themselves and they don't really even know why and so we're swimming in a sea of anxiety and depression triggers on purpose right right even even the music that we listen to when you really um go investigate for yourself the 808 the the low bass mm. in a, a lot of the music these it's in everything including country music and rock music mm. no it does something to the auditory cortex that makes us very nervous and very agitated oh, right wow. And I could talk forever about this, but the original purpose of music was really for healing and for ceremony and stuff like that, for spiritual insight. It was never really meant to be for enjoyment. So we have people like Confucius who were radically against that. Mm. And uh, I think he wrote that you would always know which kingdom was failing in ancient China based on the quality of their music. Mm. If it was too harsh in frequency and if it was too lewd that was an indication of a sick society and so we see the kinds of things that we have going on in society now and it's hard not to kind of uh be judgmental (laughs) i mean you only have to take one look at whatever happened at the grammys the other night and then whatever happened at the super bowl the other night i don't know if you saw any of those performances but it's like that looks very satanic to me and i i don't use that loosely (laughs) like it looks it has a demonic quality to yeah. it right and it, of harvesting people's attention and their energy and i don't want to go too far maybe you'd like to go a little further but there's <laughs> yeah i get what you're saying patrick i mean we are just being reigned and ruled over right. by some people who have some not so good intentions mm-hmm. and it it makes you stop and think how did things get this far you know, we allowed it. Collectively, yes. we allow ourselves to be imprisoned and beaten down and poisoned and kept small, and we don't do anything about it. And that is actually the worst form of self-sabotage. Mm. The enemy of the state isn't the empowered person, right? So we got to take responsibility for ourselves because we only get empowerment when we take responsibility there's there's nothing else that i can say about that we can talk about um unspeakable truths i won't use the the c word 
uh, certain theories. We can talk about that kind of stuff. We can talk sure. about what is actually happening on the deepest level. But in reality, nothing is going to change until the individual person takes responsibility for their lives solely. Yes. Right. And you're right. It's like, well, part of it is like we could we're not we don't have to i don't think we should go down the conspiracy theory route but it's 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 suffice it to say it's just like whether it's true or not it's like in a certain sense you have to reject the fear that comes along with that and just say yes i i i can choose to because i guess what i would ask you then in fact is if you're calling for personal responsibility in the face of this totalitarian state that we're in essentially how much of it do we really need to be aware of? Or if we're busy self-actualizing, being mindful, pursuing what we want to pursue, how much of that external world truly even matters? You know, there's a lot of things that we can't affect right, on a, right. a, a large scale. We just really, really can't affect them. We can change. We can get around our friends and our family and we can hope that they will figure out that we're doing something and ask questions and they will change. <laughs> we can see someone who is having distress and we can be a source of compassion and empathy for them. Mm -hmm. And maybe by asking them the right questions, if we can actually seek to understand someone who is going through something and help them to self-realize, yep. not tell them what to do, but help them to maybe learn what we've learned, we can affect change much faster in a much more positive way than just watching conspiracy theories and things like that. That doesn't help. There are so many people in the so-called truth community <laughs> that are nervous wrecks and they're incredibly disempowered and they're still um, over-caffeinating, shoving sugar in their face. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're so fixed on geoengineering and all these things that right. they're not in the land of the solution. They're looking at the problem. But you can only look at a fist coming at your face for so long before you get out of the way right. or you're going to get hurt real bad. Mm -hmm. And so that's my message to everyone. Like, and be aware of all things because that, again, that's what mindfulness is about. Mm -hmm. It's about being aware of all things so that you can make a mindfully well-informed decision as to how you want to think, act, and, you know, how you're actually going to end up later on down the road. But... Mm -hmm. Most people just kind of want to acquiesce to the the saviors. You right. know, they, they kind of like, I, I think I might have told you this before, but Eric Fromm wrote a book called Escape from Freedom. And he theorizes in that book that human beings are hardwired to be submissive to authority. And in reality, that's so true. Mm -hmm. And the biggest problem is that we need to become authorities in our own lives on an individual level. And that's the only way that things are going to change for the greater good and the, and the good of the children. Because in, in case you haven't noticed, one of the main attacks is on kids. Sure. You know? Sure. From from all the, the weird overtly sexual stuff in the movies and TV and mm -hmm. music and whatever it is, LOL dolls, <laughs> all this kind of stuff, <laughs> to the cereals that we eat. You know? Yeah. The stuff. They make all the cereals nice and full of cancer-causing and ADHD-causing toxins that, if you want to talk about more nutrition stuff, sure. leads you down the path of bioaccumulation because mm. 
a kid can be hyper and they're eating like cinnamon toast crunch or something you don't even know that that's what's happening you know fruity pebbles or something and they get really ill and you're like oh i have no idea what's going on the doctor doesn't even think to ask what are they eating is it fruity pebbles you know right so it, it, it could be anything that's going on in these these kids lives and we're not going to have very much of a I don't know, a smart, healthy, and happy generation of people within years to come if we don't do something about it because it's already reached a point where we're seeing the effects of that. Like, why should people in our age group, Patrick, Mm -hmm. why should they be so anxious and so depressed? It's the best time ever to be alive, and we're we're a complete wreck in many ways. Exactly. And I think you could go back to the old 1990s or 1980s nutrition, you know, a lot of that cereal, processed foods, that's when the, well, I mean, vegetable oils have been in circulation for a long time, but that is interesting to think if the the pandemic of lonely, poor millennials not quite making it could be, a lot of that could be blamed on nutrition, eh? (laughs) Yeah, it it really is because there's more chemicals in our food and our everyday household products Mm -hmm. than ever before, you know? (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> do you remain an do you remain an optimist? I guess you remain an optimist in the sense that you know you're going to continue pursuing your passions and helping other folks to hopefully do the same. But at a certain point, like if you do dwell on it and you have to at least be aware of it, like you say, it's like I'm not sure how this comes, how this shakes out, even in our lifetime. Yeah, I I meditate on that concept mm. weekly and. Yeah sometimes you see a lot of good and then other times you see a lot of bad and Mm -hmm. you kind of have to take the good with the bad as they say and realize that all of it's leading somewhere and you just gotta cross your fingers and your toes and hope that that's for the best (laughs) you know like i can only do what i do i do what i do and i've been doing it for as long as i have not even for the money but because i want to see people be empowered Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. And I look at myself from years ago and realize I was a wreck. Right. I had to figure this stuff out all on my own. And it took me much longer to figure this out by myself. Right. And if I just had one decent person that would be like, hey, come this way, mm-hmm. I would have been a whole lot better, you know? Do you want to talk a little bit about, like you mentioned alcoholism was an issue with you because you were a, you were a touring rock star, were you not? <laughs> yeah, I was I was in it really bad, man. Yeah. Oh, we, I mean, I don't <laughs> but it was glorified. It was like it was like the alcohol gave me courage to continue. Sure, the drugs gave me a reason to not have to go to sleep because I was the kind of anxious person that if I was home and I didn't have anything to do, anxiety, anxious thoughts, and all kinds of stuff would creep up on me, hmm. or I'd feel depressed. And I wouldn't know what to do and I'd have no idea where I was going in my life. Like things weren't working out the way that I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. And it was that kind of thing. So I just get up and leave and go find something to drink or go find some drugs or something. And I didn't want to sleep at night because I was afraid of what would happen if I went to sleep. And there's a lot of people who suffer with that type of anxiety. Wow. And um, it just, it wasn't... It wasn't easy because the only time that I had any kind of real peace was when I was performing because I didn't have to think about my life. I just had to think about the notes I was playing on the guitar, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So when I wasn't doing that, I was a wreck. And I just got to a point where I'd 
actually wanted to commit suicide and i actually tried like three different times mm. and um the first time my dog jumped on my bed and i could actually feel myself slipping away uh, my feet were going numb all kinds of stuff like that and the dog started whimpering jumped on my face and started scratching my face wow and that kind of jarred me enough i rolled over to my side and i just yacked i just threw up <laughs> and um rolled onto the floor i was on my stomach and i had like a some kind of i think it was like a sprite or something that i'd been drinking mm -hmm. and i just drank that like guzzle that down when i guzzle that down it was like i was so dehydrated and so disoriented and stuff it took me a long time just laying there on the floor to come back to the room and i was very disappointed to be honest with you very disappointed because i knew that the way that my life was going was just going to be the same thing again and again and again and well i couldn't be angry at the dog you know so i just could only be angry at myself sure. and um then there was another time after that so that was actually the second time and then the third time i tried again and i had what was considered a near-death experience i guess that's the really cool thing to talk about these days but it wasn't anything like god telling me you have to go back <laughs> i actually kind of heard in my own head like you got to go back man like this is something about this isn't right and i just remember being in a, a dark murky brown place with these things that kind of like shimmering white lights in front of me. I have no idea if that was like the light receptors in my eyeballs or what it was. <laughs> there was no fancy tubular bells or anything like that. <laughs> but it was just a, a feeling of being somewhere other than in my body. Wow. But when I came back into to my, to my body into waking a state, I then was just never the same after that. I don't know what, what changed for me, but I resolved after that to not do it anymore just to not you know i had to do whatever i had to do to get off of drinking and get off of drugs because i'll be honest with you the drugs really only serve two purposes so i could drink more and so i didn't have to go to sleep and face myself mm. in those few moments before you go to sleep when your mind's kind of unpacking things sure. i could run i would run from that all day long man mm. i'd run for that run that for days <laughs> and um i uh I guess as soon as I made that decision for myself, things changed because books started showing up. I started reading them. Um, a lady who is now dead, she died early last year, um, was a personal trainer. She just hit me up on Facebook. She was like, hey, I love your music. Is there anything I can do to help you? I was like, yeah, get me out of here. <laughs> and, and, and like, she was like, well, I can't do that. But, you know, I am a personal trainer. Here's some things that you can do. Mm to kind of get yourself right she sent me uh like a wayne dyer dvd change your thoughts change your life and i watched it mm. and changed my thoughts changed my life <laughs> oops look at that you know oops look at that that's wild yeah now do you think in some way because you made the decision to to at least try you at least made the decision that you weren't going to do this again this you were going to try suicide again you were gonna you decided to live is that fair to say do you think that you may have attracted or manifested the, the path forward that you needed to be on at that moment? I think that we get what we mentally consent to. Okay. If we are consenting to abuse and a life of torture and shame and guilt and fear yeah. and sadness and all these things, that's our level of consciousness. But there's something really powerful about making that vow to yourself 
to change right that it auto suggests if you will sure. in hypnotic language mm. you to change a program instantly you suggest to yourself a different reality and then you act differently as a result right and do you it wasn't easy no god no because how many years was that ago <laughs> oh wow that was 12 years ago right yeah. Now, do you, do you, okay, that's interesting. Auto suggest it. Cause I've wondered about that. Like I, I said to myself, I haven't had the most meaningful conversations with my father the last few times I've seen him. But then the last time I saw him, we, we talked at length two times over the course of the evening. And I wondered, did I attract that? Or did I just by the fact that I thought to myself, I need to make the effort to have a better conversation that I was able to do it? Because think about manifesting an attraction. That's all well and good, but it seems to rob us of a certain amount of personal responsibility. It does. It really does. You only get what's in your subconscious mind. If you want to be a millionaire, well, there's no programs that you can change that. There's a lot of stuff you got to do mm -hmm. in between there, you know? Mm -hmm. You actually got to do it, you know? there's Nobody's going to come along and give you a, a check for a million dollars. It's just not going to happen. So when it comes to auto-suggestion, when you make a vow to yourself or you say something that is so emotionally charged to yourself, mm. it really has a deep meaning, mm. then that's when you'll see something actually line up for you. So it may not, it's not going to be a direct manifestation. Right. It's going to be an opportunity, you know? So do you, I guess I'm curious then because since I've been working in this self-development space as a podcaster for the last six months let's say there's a whole industry there's a whole world built around these ideas and i'm sure you're well familiar with it do you do you draw the line that some of it is some of it is bullshit or or how do you are you willing to go as far as as it'll go or or where do you i guess it would come back to personal responsibility but do you see some people sort of deluding themselves with ideas of you know I've had a lot of time, Patrick, to investigate all of these things at length. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of it is bullshit. Yeah. The vast majority of it is to actually lead you right back into the opposite direction <laughs> and, and get you thinking that right. if you just do these special myst magical mystical processes, mm -hmm. you know, things are going to work out great for you. But what people don't seem to get is that before there was a manifesting culture mm -hmm. you manifested stuff all the time right <laughs> right you know completely unconsciously i guess yeah we just did stuff we just did the work mm -hmm. you know right so tried and true tried and true. <laughs> right that's the one thing that never changes is like the amount of impact that you have on your life or on yeah on your life is proportionate to the amount of work you're going to do there's, there's no there's no easy button. Like, now there's more efficient ways to exactly. do it. Well, you know, I, I will say that when you work on your subconscious programs, things do change mm -hmm. because you're no longer having the stream of intrusive thoughts that accompany a program. So let's say a common program like, actually, let's go for one that's tough, that people don't know, that you can't get on a personal development meme somewhere. <laughs> I am motivated by conflict. Hmm. That's a program that a lot of people have. And so 
they need that's when they need to push people away or they need to start arguments with other people in order to motivate themselves to do things so let's say that person's living in a self-fulfilling prophecy they get into it with their parents or their significant other or whatever mm -hmm. and that's the impetus for them to change and then put more effort into their life to change so they have a breakup they go to the gym they get really ripped and now they're super attractive super healthy and they're going to continue to repeat that program in other areas and it's not going to work out so well because you you can't just keep getting fired from your job every time you get a new job you can't <laughs> do that and so people will do things in a way just to say you see i told you things were this way mm. right and so that's how programs end up working for a lot of people they push away their relationships see i told you i'm not good enough or I told you this thing or that thing. I told you I'm not worthy. All these different things. So when you can go to someone and at least get your programs uh, around a certain situation changed, by default, you'll change. By default, you'll end up doing the work. I never feel bad if I lose a client mm. because I always try to get to values and I try to get to some of their programs mm. before anything else, usually in the first two or three sessions with them. Mm. That way, I've set them up to live from a place of success from a place of courage mm -hmm. rather than having these automatic programs that run under the surface that dictate everything that they do you know i try to get them off a of coffee i know that's a big one <laughs> that i talk about all the yeah. time well uh, but it's a big deal you know it, it, it's affecting people so we can't ignore it mm -hmm. if some people actually do drink coffee and they say it's not messing up their lives well I don't really believe you, but <laughs> I, I support your decision. <laughs> well, good for you. You know, what's funny is you put that in my ear when we talked in April, and I finally, as of November, I'm caffeine-free. Yeah. And I don't know, I suppose because I did it so gradually, I'm, I'm, I know things are better. For one, I'm not addicted to it physically. Like, I, if I, I don't get a headache, you know, so that alone is worth it. But... The way it antagonizes the central nervous system, it is quite hilarious to think that that is just <laughs> that is just accepted. You know, we're, sit right. we're sitting there feeling challenged all morning long. Right. So, Patrick, do you feel more calm and more in control of your thoughts? I think overall. And do you feel, yeah, and do you feel like in your everyday life, you're more intentional about the things that you do? I do. It was a long road, but... Yeah. Right. And you feel like you have more energy to do things. Definitely. Like twice the energy. Exactly. And so that's something that people don't realize. Coffee tastes is great, but the flavor is not worth the payoff. You know, life is a series of trade-offs mm -hmm. and uh, caffeine in itself masks the symptoms of a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes when you go to the doctor and something isn't right, the doctor's not going to look at the coffee because it's a, a kind of an under-the-table agreement with the medical industry to never talk about that in mm. training, you know? And it was used to torture people <laughs> in the early 1900s and to drug women. Really? And to do all kinds of strange things. Yeah, and uh, so it, caffeine has always kind of been a weapon against humankind. It's always been this thing that was associated with um, pain, so to speak. Mm. But we've been conditioned to think that this thing 
is giving us energy when in reality it was just something that was given to factory workers <laughs> to give them the energy to go to work the next day and and use up all of their energy again right. and it, it borrows from tomorrow's energy when yes. the adrenal glands are stimulated like that not only does this contribute to the war on consciousness because the pituitary gland as you may have heard mm -hmm. is very important to your spiritual awareness yeah. Yeah. but it attacks that pituitary gland so it, it fills you with adrenal corticotrophic hormone, which is a stress hormone. Mm -hmm. It's taxing your organs because it's pulling all of the energy away from your organs that you need to repair yourself. It agitates the cells. It agitates the limbic system. The limbic system is going, oh, God, help me all day long. <laughs> it's, it, people get headaches. Yep. People get brain fog. They get all kinds of um, problems learning problems functioning and stuff as a result of um, too much caffeine or even just one cup of coffee it depends on your sensitivity to it how you know how much can you really handle and what happens is that it kind of creates scar tissue in the brain Whoa. because when you're having those emotions those neurons are firing so rapidly it burns out those circuits like on a computer motherboard right, right. So it short circuits those things and then you have long-term recurring anxiety or racing thoughts. Not necessarily anxiety. It could just be low-grade racing thoughts. Mm -hmm. A bit of nervousness, a bit of apprehension, a bit of sadness, mm -hmm. things like that. And so it, it can be the root cause of anxiety and depression a whopping 42% of the time because, I think it's even more than that, but... Be just because the neurons of the brain are firing so rapidly and is burning the circuit board, you know? So it, it's one of these things that affects us whether we know it or not. Mm -hmm. And it, we're, we are going through a period in humanity now where it's being talked about more and it's kind of getting out that, you know, maybe coffee isn't the best thing for us. Maybe that matcha tea isn't so healthy. Right. You know, all those things. So... But I'm I'm always baffled, and I, thank you again for for that because people are gonna they're not gonna want to hear it. But it's you, that's the invitation. Then is like if that bothers you, just try going without it and see what happens. Yeah, well, you know, Patrick, I don't want to call you out on on live uh, that's okay. YouTube, but you did tell me I'm probably still not gonna stop drinking coffee. I said it at the end of the, yeah, and and then I got in your head, and you were like. There's got to be something to that. <laughs> I know, you know. So most people know that's the program. Like your program yes. spoke for you. Well, you know, I wanted to bring that up, and I, now I have to say I owe you. I owe you two. So maybe someday I'll be able to repay you. But uh, <laughs> you know, the I wanted to talk I, because you've been you've been mentioning these programs, and I haven't really. I think you've made a great point about the way programming works. But I want just for my sake to hammer it home, like. So many programs exist within our, with they they run as scripts in the background, right? And you brought up, I am motivated by conflict. So then we live that out. Another one that I came across is I, I fuel or I am fueled or I am animated by draw like interpersonal social drama. Like I need to have conflict or you know, drama essentially between people. So then you go make trouble in your life, um, and then you know you say, well, I have bad relationships. Mm -hmm. It's like, well. You know, are, are, mm -hmm. are we putting one and one together here? So I don't have a question, but would you like to maybe say a little more about programming to sort of wind us down or, or just okay, let's become so aware of different that. types? Sure. Okay. 
Hey, there's different types of programming. Conspiracy theorists are going to be yelling, it's MK Ultra, but it's not really like MK Ultra is first and foremost, MK Ultra is a real thing, but it's done in a controlled environment with chemicals, drugs, and it's a lot of torture and physical abuse and sexual abuse and mm. things like that to break a person's psyche sure. and it's broken into compartments where different personalities are created to cope with the pain gotcha right so that's why Nicki minaj talks about roman and that's why beyonce talks about sasha fierce and that's why kanye acts so weird <laughs> and talks about like like donda and all those albums that he released that's why he was in a room with a ski mask on doing push-ups and stuff like that that's not what really what subconscious programming is subconscious programming happens all the time mm -hmm. as a result of life when we watch television the prefrontal cortex which is the seat of uh wisdom rational thinking spirituality all the things um gets deactivated it shuts off and we become automatic input so whatever we put in is what we get out mm -hmm. um there's commercial programming, which is all the wine and beer ads and yeah. all the different things that we see on TV. Well, that's repetitive content. It takes about three to four repetitions of something for the subconscious mind to take it on as fact. Mm. So if this is deactivated, you're taking that on as fact. Anyways, whether you accept or reject it, it's just blind input mm. into the brain. Mm. And you're likely to act on something at some point in time. For example, you could be a straight up, clean, sober person, never touched alcohol in your life. Mm -hmm. But because you've seen a bunch of movies on it, some stressor activated that program at some point in your life. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, you became the biggest alcoholic there is, right? Something like that happened to me. I was never really like that. I never wanted to be like my father because he was a big alcoholic. But I saw the opportunity subconsciously and became that right because that's what i associated with safety within the herd i wanted to be a part of the tribe of rock and roll mm -hmm. that was what everybody else was doing mm -hmm. it fired off and repetitive content happens all the time in movies within the first 30 minutes of every tv or movie there's coffee or alcohol or there's sex there's somebody's got a playboy poster in the background or something mm -hmm. you can't get away from it you know children's tv shows are two-thirds of that is geared towards adult themes but even though it's for children so we get programmed from the time we're kids mm -hmm. with the things that we watch and we're constantly learning so whatever we learn from where the time we're in our mother's womb that's hardwired into us emotionally we take that with us throughout our lives and then from zero to seven we're out in this world we're learning at an extremely rapid rate because uh, we have to survive basically so the brain's primarily concerned with safety and survival and so we're downloading all the information from society everything that we hear everything that we do everything our parents do we're just emulating this common behavior and then when we're 7 to 14 when we're out uh, at school we're learning from other people and we're trying to see how the programs we picked up from at home and the family system compared to those outside. Mm. And we swap and we take on programs from our friends or, or whoever we see, the cool kids, whatever they're doing. Sure. 
That's why kids have this massive need for approval mm. because they're, they're really just working out programs. It's not that they're self-centered or anything or, or they don't have any self-esteem. They're working on building that based on the contents of their programming. So then 14 to 21, we're doing the same thing. So it's all seven-year phases of where we're really trying to assess the, the programs that we have, which are just really tools and coping mechanisms that we have for... Um, operating within society and being who we think we should be in order to be accepted by the herd to survive. That's all that's really happening, you know? So when we think we're doing stuff because we chose it, mm -hmm. chances are we're not. Mm. And if we aren't mindfully aware of what's happening for us, then we will never question those programs and we will live life in the autopilot zone. The autopilot zone. Do you Now, do you see subconscious programs as being directly related to like negative self-talk or limiting beliefs that we hold like that's sort of us consciously speaking those programs out to ourselves. would that be accurate you know there's limiting beliefs and then there's subconscious beliefs mm. any belief can be a limiting belief even a positive one yeah sure and what happens is that people become rigid thinkers they had they have very little cognitive flexibility around their beliefs and so any belief can be a limitation mm. but then there's those deep-seated subconscious programs that we have that um kind of dictate our choices and they're unpacking themselves throughout the day and that's where a lot of self-talk is coming from whatever it is we believe about the world or about ourselves is it starts to talk to us and most people kind of just agree with that little voice or they run away from it, you know? And you can <laughs> probably say that's true with your experience of mindfulness at first. Yeah. You realize, okay, there's something in here that's talking to me mm -hmm. and I don't like what it's saying. And it kind of stings every time I try to face it, you know? It kind of gives me this emotional charge. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you get accustomed to, to challenging it and you realize the charge gets less and less and, and, and you're like, okay, yeah, I am in control. Mm. So my subconscious is trying to tell me something. What could it be telling me? And that, that way of thinking, it becomes like a muscle, you know? So um, where was I really going with that? You know, it's like everything is, everything is just under the surface. Mm -hmm. And it wants to unpack these concepts throughout the day. So like how I mentioned the compartments with the MK Ultra, it's kind of the same thing. Like a subconscious program is going to have one basic statement and then it's going to have these arrows that point towards other little sub programs mm. and categories of behavior, you know? So if we don't become mindfully aware and learn how to catch these things, then we are going to constantly have to fail at things or face a lot of yes. pain in order to realize that, okay, yeah, I missed a suggestion that my subconscious was giving me. Mm -hmm. What was it? You know, well, sometimes journaling helps. Sometimes yes. uh, meditation helps, but unfortunately you can't sit and journal and meditate all day long. Right? <laughs> no, not, not there yet. Yeah. But it, so, yeah, go on. Yeah, and I was going to say that you you get very hyper aware after a time of how you're so easily manipulated, not necessarily by the world at large, but by yourself. Uh, 
get manipulated by your own emotions. And isn't that the craziest thing? Because I find myself asking, if I'm not in control of those emotions, those actions, those urges, then who is? <laughs> and that, I mean, what's the, what's the answer there if it's not me? Well, it's some degree of me. It's some, some part of me, but it's not a part that I have control over. It's, yeah, it's well, you know, wild. It, we do have control over it. Yes, it just, right. not a, it's kind of like climbing a rope in gym class. Mm. You'll keep falling until you wrap your foot around the bottom of that rope and hang on mm. with your feet. Everybody's always trying to effort and do everything by climbing that rope, just using their arms only, mm. but they don't have that upper body strength to hang on. It burns your hands. Mm. So what are you going to do as a way of stopping yourself from falling? You wrap that rope around your ankle, right? And then you just kind of shimmy up that rope slowly. Mm. So it's about gaining a certain level of control. But what people don't understand about emotions is that emotions often come up first. So it's not always this personal development axiom about it's your thoughts that dictate your emotions. Mm. That's actually bullshit. <laughs> your emotions will sometimes come out of nowhere because you don't know what's happening under the surface on a subconscious level. And so it'll just fire off in a split second without asking any permission. And it, it's when, it, when that's happening, it's like a, a thousand biochemical effects are happening inside of the body. It's all these surges of chemicals that you can't do anything about. So you have to learn how to be present and actually be with those things and say, wait, hold on. Let me sit in stillness and try to figure out what's going on here. Otherwise, what's going to happen is what everybody else tends to do. You just ignore it. It's all it's just, I just wasn't feeling well. I was fairly emotional. And they don't put any other thought to exactly where that came from. Right. But with that thought, with, sorry, with that emotion stream, the thoughts are going to linger. You have to, you have to be aware of that. You have to be aware. And you can't be afraid to, to interrogate those emotions, right? No, you can't. It, it'll it'll slap you around like you owe it money if you do that, man. Exactly <laughs> right. It's just going to keep happening if you don't take the responsibility to do something about it. Yep. Well, Jahan, another one in the books. Uh, if people have been so intrigued by, by your words, where can they find out more about you? So you can find me at jahansator.com. That's J-E-H-A-N-S-A-T-T-A-U-R. You can email selfsabotageinfo at proton.me or jahantwsator at gmail.com. I'll spell that for you, J-E-H-A-N-T-W-S-A-T-T-A-U-R. You can follow me on Instagram at jahantsator. And uh, yeah, you can just contact Patrick. Be like, How can I get that guy? <laughs> I, want, I want that guy. Yeah. I want that guy to reprogram my subconscious <laughs> Put me in a trance, whatever it is that it takes yeah. to to start living a better life, which is kind of the, I guess it's the end goal of this show. If I could, if I could help one person, um, even believe that a better life is possible, and I, I think we've given a lot of, <laughs> you know, steps in the right direction today. So, yeah, man. Yeah. You got a podcast too called Boundless Authenticity. Yeah, that's right. The Boundless Authenticity Podcast, uh, where we discuss everything related to the evolution of human consciousness. If you go on there, you can hear some great discussions. We got ex-CIA contractors to 
um, to spiritualists, to uh, people talking about extraterrestrial contact, nice. to me explaining how mind control works and how brainwashing works and how cults work. And I'll be posting more content about self-sabotage and cognition and those kinds of things. And uh, there's plenty of interesting topics. There's people who have overcome PTSD, all mm. kinds of things. Beautiful. Is there one one episode of your podcast that you'd point people to that you think would, I mean, blow their minds or, or help them or, or just entertain them? <laughs> you got a favorite? Oh, man. There's so many. I'd have to say um, Past Lives in Ancient Lands with Shelley A. Kerr. Okay. She's a, a world-renowned past life hypnotherapy regressionist or something like that. That's pretty yeah. cool. I want yeah. to check that out. Somebody, you know... or. Oh, or, or okay, you know okay. what? Kate Thurvalson, she talks about her ET experiences. She has implants all over her body and stuff. And really? It's way, it's way out there, what man. What the hell? She was abducted? <laughs> she thinks she was abducted? Yeah, she was. She was abducted, yeah. By, by extraterrestrials? Yep. Or Yeah, it's, okay. uh, for some people, it's a lot to wrap no, your head around. But I, I've, I'll believe. I've seen the implants, I've, and I've seen, like, she has these magnets and stuff she puts on her face and she shakes it off and it won't come off and she's like i don't know where any of this came from <laughs> it's all over like she puts them on her chest and on her back and yep these people are out there man uh, good good on you for finding them that's that sounds crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah john i wish you the best man you i love your work it's great to reconnect and i hope we can chat again maybe in a, in a year's time and, and stay in touch until then all right man i appreciate you thanks for doing the work you're doing hey, my pleasure okay we'll see you soon all right brother Thank you for listening to this episode of Self-Control, How to Build a Better Life. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to my conversation with, with Jahan. And I hope you I hope you felt that stirring uh, call to action, that, that personal responsibility. Uh, again, if you want to get in touch with Jahan for some coaching uh, towards subconscious uh, reprogramming or you know nutrition or mindfulness, any of those things, uh, all his information will be in the show notes. Um, I know I'm going to take home this, this idea of personal responsibility and this idea that there could be things in our subconscious going on that we're not so aware of, things that we've allowed to build over time uh, through emotional, emotionally charged thoughts. And um, I'm going to interrogate it. And I hope you will as well if you believe that a better life is possible. It's all about the courage to do that, that inner work and to, you know, hopefully someday make peace with who we are and uh, who we can be. So until I speak with you again, Please remember that better is possible.